This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry McGuire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form and more recently in audio form. And you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round-the-corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature. Stuff that keeps me up at night. Stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. It costs a fiver a month or 50 a year. And you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. It's my son's birthday today. He's 15, turning 15 today. And uh, I decided that I'd get him a takeaway. And I went to Nando's, or ordered Nando's online, about 20 past four. Ordered the Nando's, paid for the Nando's, said, great, you'll get up here for collection at six o'clock. Up I went, left the house at about quarter to six, got up there at five to six, sat down and didn't get the food until 20 past six, which was a little bit frustrating in and of itself. But the biggest problem was I considered I'd be in and out in a jiffy. So I parked in a bus only spot and I said to myself, well, Maybe I should leave Rory in the car and he can mind the car because if someone's in the car, they won't clamp you. But uh, I didn't. And the delay with the food meant we got clamped. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to get clamped. (laughs) I got clamped and I walked out and it's just the biggest sickener if you've ever been clamped to walk out and see that bloody yellow triangle on your wheel. And a hundred euros later. So... 70 odd quid for the food and another 100 quid for the clamp so it was an expensive takeaway and uh, i'm in i'm recovering from that from the trauma of it um i thought about losing my cool and at the same moment i thought well what's the point i mean that's not going to get the clamp off the wheel but i was irritated with nando's because they didn't have the bloody flu- food ready after me ordering at 20 past four but anyway First world problems, you might say, and uh, maybe there's a considering the theme of uh, episodes on Sunday letters this week, last week, and in the coming few weeks, uh, leadership. Maybe there's a maybe there's a shortcoming in uh, the leadership department inside Nando's and Blanchardstown. Anyway, I'll get over it. Uh, there's people in the world with bigger problems than me. So this week, in any event, <clears throat> when I finish with my kind of mild mini rant, um, we're talking further uh, on the subject of leadership and the perhaps paradoxical nature of leadership or paradoxical nature of successful leadership. Uh, and what that essentially boils down to, according to Jim Collins and his level five leadership, that uh, an introverted, humble background style 
In other words, someone who avoids the limelight, someone who doesn't wallow in their own personal glory or engage in the work for what they can get out of it and how good they can look are often the ones to produce the best results long term. In fact, he proved it when he looked at 15, um, sorry, over a 15 year period, he looked at 1100 odd companies in uh, the uh, Dow Jones uh, US stock exchange. And he found only 11 companies had what he uh, categorized as uh, level five leadership. In other words, they sustained growth. They had sustained growth over that 15 year period. Uh, so that, that's big. Only 11 companies out of 1140 or whatever it was they studied. And he had certain criteria for defining that uh, good to great, as he called it, a good company to a great company. And he discovered that those 11 had these, the leaders of those companies had these traits of personality, that they weren't concerned with their own personal gain. They weren't in it for notoriety. They weren't in it for how good they could look or how much money they could make over the, the term of their employment or tenure as CEOs. They were concerned with producing the best results for the business over the long term. And in today's Sunday Letters, I'm talking about this, writing about this subject uh, within the context of Collins Level 5 Leadership. And it doesn't only apply to business. I mean, it applies everywhere in amateur sport, professional sport, in politics, in uh, social endeavors, um, companies large and small, um, you name it. Anywhere where people are organized towards a particular end, the leader of the organization or the one the one who's tasked with providing direction and cohesion to the effort, uh, if they are to succeed over the long term, according to Jim Collins, they must possess these aspects of personality. And it's basically introvert. I mean, it could be boiled down to introverted style versus extroverted style. And I have my own particular ideas on this, and I might get into them as I uh, finish the article. But um, suffice to say, I agree with Collins. So without further ado, let's get into today's Sunday Letters. The Leadership Paradox. The second essay in a series on the art of ethical leadership, looking at the effects of short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. The world of business is filled with short-sighted visionaries, obsessed with self-interest and the drive towards maximum gains in the shortest time possible. This is so of the large international corporation as it is for the small local business with 20 people. It seems we are programmed to hunt down the shortest possible route to achieving ends, often at the expense of others. The business world is doggy dog and it demands these kinds of people, for without them, profits sufficient to keep investors content would hardly be possible. The game is combative and there are winners and losers. Often, however, as we have seen in previous essays in the series, ordinary people become the victims while those who make unethical decisions walk away with a bonus check. A CEO is assigned by the board and over the course of his or her reign, it's usually a male, however, they must turn the company profitable or maintain the profitable status quo. But the status quo is rarely enough, so they push hard for more. The newly appointed chief stands, needs to stand out. 
to show everyone concerned how good they are at their job. As such, they make decisions with a short-term time frame and often take risks that an otherwise less competitive environment would bring out. Buckminster Fuller wrote about this state of being in his 1981 autobiography, Critical Path, highlighting the folly of the selfish and fearfully contrived wealth games that humanity plays under a misinformed survival of the fittest ideology. These selfish and fearfully contrived wealth games are the fundamental basis of unethical decision-making and leadership. And in today's essay, we explore the nature of this short-term thinking and the personality of leadership that lies behind it. We will examine the apparent paradox of traits that exist in the most successful leaders as determined by Jim Collins' Level 5 Leadership Model and offer a rare example of exemplary leadership from the world of business. We'll show that business and societal leaders must make decisions outside the tight time frame of their own tenure if society as a whole is to avoid disastrous outcomes. It is, perhaps, humanitarian ethics we need to employ rather than the ethics of personal gain. The Leadership Personality Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't, suggests that the most exceptional performing companies over the long term are led by people with a certain paradoxical mix of personality traits. Rather than seeking the limelight, leaders of Collins' good to great companies possess extreme personal humility alongside an intense professional will to succeed. In contrast, most of us associate successful leaders with an outgoing personality, a larger-than-life ego. In social circles, it's always the gregarious, larger-than-life characters that take over the room, that command our attention and entertain. The world of business is dominated by such leaders, driven by the prospect of power and personal glory. We assume that these narcissistic personality types can lead us to victory, or if you're a shareholder, take you to profitability. But this idea is flawed, and Colin seems to agree. In his study of the market performance of 1,435 companies over a 15-year period, Collins and his team set out to discover if a company could become a great company, and if so, how. Their initial sample found only 11 companies that outperformed the market and their contemporaries over an extended period of time. And perhaps the most interesting of findings was that of leadership personality that made it possible. The mild-mannered CEO. Collins tells the story of the modest Darwin E. Smith, chief executive of the middle-of-the-road paper company Kimberly Clark. In 1971, their stock market value had fallen 36% behind their competitors. And as the board's recently appointed CEO, Smith had the responsibility of finding a new direction and returning the company to profitability. He was an in-house lawyer, lacking all the traditional bluster and egoism that is typical of many CEOs. Also, he had never even run a major division before and apparently was filled with self-doubt about his appointment. Some of his fellow di directors had concerns also, and during a subsequent major restructuring at the company, Wall Street and media outlets weren't so kind either. Nevertheless, as Smith is said to have put it himself, I never stopped trying to become qualified for the job. Despite his introverted and humble style, Darwin Smith played strong resolve and determination to make big decisions, such as entering the consumer paper market. As a result, as a result of that move and others, Kimberly Clark became the number one paper-based consumer products company globally, beating Procter & Gamble and other major rivals. 
the company went on to generate cumulative stock returns four times greater than those of the general market, outperforming companies such as Hewlett Packard, 3M, Coca Cola, and General Electric. Jim Collins cites Darwin Smith's turnaround of Kimberly Clark as one of the best but least known examples of a leader taking a company from ordinary to exceptional. However, contrary to popular belief on successful leadership, Smith's success came from leading from the back. He didn't court fame and notoriety or seek credit or reward. He instead focused on the work and doing the best job he could. But the media don't celebrate this. They need fireworks. We take notice of fireworks, you see, and the media know it. Therefore, those of, of us who make a song and dance, whether it's for good or bad reasons, always make the news. Collins says that this kind of extroverted yet passionately narcissistic leadership style doesn't bring long-term results. The Narcissist Empath Dichotomy The Narcissist The narcissistic personality type, according to McCoby, reflects society's collective image of what it believes it takes to become a successful leader. In that view, perhaps, our ideals are distorted. Narcissists love fireworks. They are the fireworks. And problems arise for companies and the rest of us when we become fooled by it all. The cult of celebrity CEO is real, and it is this fame and fortune to which narcissists are attracted. They are brazen and bold. They take over the room and force the milder members of the congregation to either support them or shut up. They love the fight and they can't stand losing. Narcissistic leaders are all about the show. They are charismatic, manipulative and controlling, possess unyielding determination, ruthlessness and entrepreneurism. Therefore, we are often fooled by the brightness of their personality. However, narcissistic leaders' success is generally short-lived. Narcissistic leaders are often self-absorbed to such an extent that their business decisions are weighted by what's good for them and their image rather than what's good for the business and those associated with it. Although they are less concerned with what happens to the company after they are gone than they are while they are in charge, Jim Collins says the narcissistic leaders typically have an I don't care what happens after me kind of attitude. Therefore, the narcissistic personality type significant flaws. In a 2004 research paper examining narcissism and risk, researchers reported that narcissistic leaders possess two major aspects of character. One, a positive, inflated and agentic self-concept. And two, a self-regulatory strategy designed to maintain and enhance this self-concept. This self, this, these self-absorbed leaders strive for fame and notoriety and express little concern for our empathy for others. In fact, others serve as a means by which to obtain the status and reward they crave. They do not tolerate dissent or negative feedback, for this serves as, as an attack on their self-image. Therefore, compliance on the part of subordinates is more important to the narcissistic leader than knowledge or skill. The Empathic Level 5 Leader Collins' level five leader is the antithesis of the narcissistic leader and is epitomized by Darwin Smith and Kimberly Clark. It is a classic example of a person in leadership who manages to blend extreme personal humility with an intense will to succeed. According to Collins' five-year research study, business leaders who possess this paradoxical combination of personality traits are catalysts for what he calls a statistically rare event of transforming a company from good to great. 
rather than, go than going after the large market share for the sake of profitability, using overstated rhetoric and making promises they can't keep. The level five leader personifies the steady, reliable and trustworthy aspects of the business. It's not about the firework display. It's about the quality of the product or service and the company's success. Level one of Collins hierarchy relates to an individual's technical capability, talent and knowledge contribution to the organization. Level two relates to their team skills and ability to work with other members towards a collective goal. Level three of the hierarchy relates to an individual's managerial competence and skills at organizing people and resources. Level four of the hierarchy relates to the individual's traditional leadership skills, catalyzing collective commitment and developing a clear and compelling vision. Level five, finally, of the hierarchy possesses the skills of levels one to four, but have the extra dimension and almost a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. Level five leaders are largely introverted, shunning the limelight and never boastful. They are quiet and calm, yet determined and hold themselves to impeccably high standards. Level five leaders possess a stoic resolve to do whatever it takes to make the company great and ensure that those who follow are set up for success. Collins insists that it's not the case that level five leaders have no self-interest. On the contrary, they are highly ambitious, but their ambition is channeled towards the institution's success, not towards themselves. Level five leaders look out the window to assign credit, even undue credit. They look in the mirror to assign blame, never citing external factors. Jim Collins. Can level five leadership be learned? Collins believes that there are basically two types of people who enter leadership those with the potential for level five leadership and those without. The latter could never in a million years subjugate their own personal need for gratification to the needs of something broader reaching. Their entire self-concept is structured in such a way to make that impossible. The former possess the capability perhaps lying dormant within them and under the right conditions, the seed can begin to sprout. Some of the level five leaders in Collins' study, such as Darwin Smith, had significant life experiences that may have been the catalyst for personal change. Smith had survived cancer earlier in his life, and this may have been significant for the development of attributes required for level five leadership. Other CEOs in Collins' study had similar life-altering experiences. Collins says that level five is an empirical, powerful and satisfying concept, and for an individual to make the transition from good to great, it is an essential concept. But to provide 10 steps to level five leadership would be too trivial. Success tends not to be that simple. Instead, Collins suggests the perfect blend of attributes required for level five leadership is undefinable. Most of the world is obsessed with instant gratification. Nothing warrants the time and effort necessary to create something great. In fact, our idea of greatness seems to be an offshoot of the pursuit of instant gratification. It's self-reinforcing. We lay praise and adornment at the doorstep of those who shine brightest in the misled belief that theirs is the way only to be found wanting. As with the self-obsessed narcissistic leader, it seems their entire way of life reflects a personal pursuit of gratification that never lasts. As Abraham Maslow said, man is a perpetually wanting animal. As we have seen from Collins' level five leadership model, 
Successful leadership requires a worldview and a sense of reality that extends beyond the physical boundary of the self. That perspective may only come to the fore when the tight narcissistic self-concepts are torn down. As such, I believe that trying to become a level five leader is really a display of the very narcissistic tendencies we're trying to overcome. It's ego-filled. Instead of thinking of the level five leadership concept as an ideal towards which we must strive, maybe it's better to trust it, to develop organically. That's really what Collins found. He examined it after the fact. So to try and coax or coerce it into being is the cart before the horse. Whatever it's worth, my advice is to cease trying to reach ideals and focus on being as human as possible. But as Collins suggested, some of us may be just not cut out for it. Leadership is a, is a difficult one to get a hold of. Uh, even more difficult to get right when you find yourself in a position where other people are looking towards you uh, to make a decision. Um, I think the the way human beings interact and behave with one another, you know, and how we, we organize in, in a hierarchical fashion is to our detriment ultimately because it leaves one person responsible when the shit hits the fan and everyone else kind of points the finger, goes, well, we, I was only doing my job, it's his fault. Uh, it also robs the individual of their ability to make decisions for themselves. Um, I mean, we can see that playing out in our in society, uh, in politics, and uh, in how uh, the public interact with the government, COVID, uh, vaccines, all that kind of stuff, um, and the public order and stuff around uh, restrictions and all those problems that we're having at the minute. I mean, it's where where people come together in a collective to achieve something. I mean, the results can be uh, really good for society, but equally they can be detrimental. And I think there's no getting away from uh, those two aspects. Um, how do we resolve it? I, I don't know. Possibly that we we take more responsibility for for our, our own experience and quit looking to others to make things good, good for us or great for us or better and start taking responsibility for, for ourselves. Um, it's, I think it's an inherent problem when we, when we come together to achieve something in a, in a local society or, or a broader uh, global community. There's always going to be problems. And um, I think that there, there is a particular personality type that suits leadership, but leadership in the way we're talking about today in the essay, in the sense of having empathy towards other people and understanding and doing things for the better of the collective rather than oneself. And I think that uh, contrast between the narcissist and the empath is is something um, interesting. Um, as long as narcissists, the big brass band, loud firework display type personality has control of the reins, we're, we're just on for problem after problem. And uh, we need to change that. We ca It can be different, but I think we got to be careful about who it is or what it is we select. Uh, it's not about the firework display. And I think when we make it so, we, we get ourselves into trouble. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Sunday Letters. If you want to read the article and get the uh, references from today's um, essay, get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com and check out the article. There's a link in today's uh, show notes also if you enjoyed the uh, content of sunday letters um consider supporting the show supporting the newsletter costs a fiber a month 
and you'll be helping me create more time to, to create this stuff and uh, your support will be greatly appreciated. So that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you during the week for the NOMIC. All the best. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.